Instant Reaction, Grizzden Podcast. I'm your host, Will Walker. We are each recording separately tonight. Uh, we did watch the game together. However, uh, Brantley and Ty on their way home are going to send me their reactions as well. These late games are are tough for the in the Instant Reaction department to get something out there. But um, we'll we'll be getting together before game two to to actually unpack the game. So we really haven't spent any time to delve too deeply into what happened, but the Grizzlies take game one in Utah, 112-109, to uh, just a gritty performance by this team against the number one seed, and they took home court advantage from the Jazz just like that. The Grizz have three home games, um, if they if they can extend to a to a game six, of course. Uh, but with that said, Donovan Mitchell was the big storyline going into this game. He is the Jazz best player. He leads their team in scoring and is the alpha. And he uh, did not play in this game. He had been out for a month. We mentioned that on our preview podcast that he had been out along with Conley for a bit of time, but. The news broke about three hours before tip, or maybe a little bit more, but that Mitchell wasn't going to play. And to me, that signaled just that this was the game for the Grizzlies to be able to to steal. If they were going to steal one home game, it was going to be the one without Mitchell. And the Jazz needed uh, some of their role players to step up, and um, they had some good performances. However, it just wasn't enough. The Grizzlies team came out to play. Dylan Brooks is where I'll start. He um, didn't. He he was expecting to have that defensive assignment against Mitchell. He um, came out and really played. He stuck a few different players um, from Ingles to Bogdanovich, and but really his impact was felt on the offensive end. I mean. Nobody could guard Dylan, and he had 31 points. He shot 50% um, from the field, two for five from three, and in the second half was was the hub of Grizzlies' offense until the final few minutes. And he, I mean, the Jazz fans now hate Dylan Brooks, so add them to the list. But um, it was in, in a the best way for for Grizzlies fans. Uh, because he he was he brought the tenacity he brought the energy. Um, Kyle Anderson is is where I'll go next. He made so many uh, small, seemingly small plays that had huge results. I mean, just he was involved in the last two plays with the inbounds pass to Dylan with a few seconds left to put the Grizzlies up three, and then playing defense on the other end against Bogdanovich on the the attempt to tie the game by the Jazz. Um, an unbelievable for performance and, and set a career high in steals. So um, Kyle was the low-key MVP, or should I say slow-key MVP, and, and Dylan was my um, just full-game MVP, but John ja Morant, again, shining in the fourth quarter. I mean, 
he when the lights shine brightest, John Morant's coming to play. And he his floater game was on in the last few minutes. Um, the other uh, keys to point out, I mean, it, it was such a similar game to the Warriors because Jaron struggled. Um, he did have a block in a in a three there uh, in the second half, which which was a a big moment of the game. But all in all, just I mean, it, it was he had a, four fouls, but there was just something that was off, especially defensively. He he struggled with the way that the Jazz moved the ball, um, and that was was also another point that we we made on the last podcast is that this Jazz team plays very similarly to Golden State and. They move the ball and they shoot threes. In fact, the over half of uh, the Jazz's shots tonight were from three, and only a fifth of the Grizzlies were. Um, so, all in all, I mean, this was this was a a game for the taking, if there ever was going to be one. And the Grizzlies lucked out from a shooting perspective. The Jazz didn't didn't hit the percentage that they normally hit, and then the Grizzlies did enough to, to get the win. So um, we have game two coming up on Wednesday, and it should be interesting. I, I expect Donovan Mitchell to play that game, and it will be at that point a new series. But, I mean, you'll take every single game you can get in the, in the playoffs. So props to the Grizzlies. It'll be fun on Wednesday. coming from you in the car on the commute. Had a little time to, to rethink, reevaluate the Grizz win last night. Uh, huge win. Can't overstate it. Definitely not expecting to come out and win that game. Um, not just from a personal level, but I think a national level. Uh, we have played, counting that game, three Extremely emotional, must-win games, dating back to the Spurs last Wednesday in the play-in. And I know people have mentioned this before, but for such a young team um, led by a 21-year-old point guard to go back-to-back-to-back and win very tight, high-stakes games, can't just can't be more impressed with the Grizz. Um, Jaw played great. Jaw has been in control of the game the last two games. Honestly, maybe the last three. Um, against Golden State, he was everything we needed him to be. Last night, everything we needed him to be. Completely controlled the game late in the second half. I think he believe I believe he scored ten points in the fourth quarter back to old fourth quarter job from last year. Um, got in the paint, continually penetrated, just basically was doing whatever he wanted on the offensive end. Dylan Brooks as well played crazy well in the fourth quarter. Or sorry, third quarter. Um, really sustained some runs by Utah. Utah's a really good team. Like even without Mitchell, they haven't. They've been without Mitchell for like a month now, and they still just been cranking out wins. Um, they're a very good team. 
and the fact that we went on the road after playing two emotional games, especially the one Friday, with the Jazz having basically like a week off, because um, even the last few games of the season, I don't think they played everyone. Um, a well-rested Utah team at home. Utah's fans are notoriously really aggressive, really loud. Going up in that environment to win that game, truly impressive. Couldn't be more happy. Um, I love the way we played. We fought the whole time. We truly, we have some dogs on our team. Kyle Anderson mentioned it. John mentioned it. John was basically like, they started talking smack and playing physical. And that's exactly what we want to do. So we immediately like, felt comfortable when they started playing that way, which is just crazy to me. A lot of young teams would kind of back down in that situation, not the Grizz. Um, Kyle Anderson made some similar comments after the game basically being like, hey, hard foul, I'll give you a hard foul right back. We're here to fight. We're here to play. I grew up in Jersey. I'm used to this. This is how I grew up. I think Jonas and Gobert match up. I think it's going to be really important, as you saw last night. It took Gobert everything he had and six fouls to try to contain Jonas, not only like when Jonas had the ball in the paint, but also rebounding, offensive rebounds from Jonas, defensive rebounds. Gobert had to box out and grab just to keep Jonas off the glass. I think that's going to be a huge part of the series. Um, but regardless, we we showed last night that we can hang. Um, we can hang with this team. Yeah, they had a poor shooting night, but they really are banking. Like, their entire offense is set up on hitting threes. They, they take threes and layups. Historically, you've seen what happens to teams that bank on the three to win games. Yeah, Golden State obviously did that, but they had the great, the greatest shooter of all time and maybe like a top three greatest shooter of this past generation in play. So that's a little bit different. But if you look at a team like the Rockets, predicated nothing but threes and layups, right? When they needed it the most, I'm not saying Utah's in this situation, but notoriously, the Rockets missed 27 straight threes a few years ago in the Western Conference Finals to lose Game 7 at home to the Warriors. It can be really tough to bank on shooting nothing but jumpers and just they have to go in for them to be successful. And they may all go in the rest of this series. Like, they may shoot 40% as a team from three the rest of the way. But on nights like tonight where we can control the pace Jaw can get wherever he wants. We are taking good, efficient shots. And Utah misses threes. Like, we're going to have a chance to win every one of those games. There's going to be a night, and it could be game two. Mitchell comes back. He hits five threes. Ingles hits five threes. Conley gets hot from three. Bogdanovich carries over from the second half, hits a bunch of threes. Clarkson comes off the bench. Just but there's going to be one of those games, absolutely. But if we can bat up, bide our time and win games like tonight, like we had to win this game, everything kind of fell in our favor tonight by the fact that we were able to get where we won. We had a great offensive night. We were very efficient. Josh played great. Dylan played great. And they missed shots. Like, if we would have lost this game, then that would have been like, man, that just doesn't really have a path for us to win because this was the game that we had to win. This is the type of game we have to win. Um, and we did. That's just – we, we, we won. 
Um, I don't know. I think it could be a fun series. Absolutely. They're the better team. Throwing nights like tonight, they didn't really look it. And I think if we can keep Gobert's impact low, that's huge. They really, really count on him on the defensive end, too, because they funnel everything to him, and he protects the rim. But he has to account for Jonas on the roll, and Jaws great at getting in the air and making a jump-off pass to Jonas that, like, Gobert can get stuck in a situation of do I help on Ja or do I stay with Jonas? And if he is in that position all game long, either Ja or Jonas should have a field day. Last night, that's exactly what happened. Ja was taking Conley off the dribble time after time. Whoever was guarding Ja didn't matter. He was getting by then basically any time he wanted to. And he gets in the paint. He gets in that little basically right below the free throw line in the paint. And Gobert has to make a decision. Do I completely help? Or do I continue to sag, sag, sag and just get pushed further and further under the rim? We've literally been called team floater. And Utah gives up a ton of floaters. If we hit our floaters, we're in a great shape because we're going to get those shots all night long. Really encouraging win. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it comes down to your big players versus theirs. They didn't have Mitchell. Mitchell's probably going to come out with a vengeance. That's fine. Um, can't wait to see Dylan take that challenge because that's exactly what's going to happen. I thought Ja honestly held his own on defense. There's a few possessions where he was guarding Clarkson, where the whole Grizzlies were watching together, and we kind of got a little nervous. We were like, ooh, I don't really love this matchup. He did fine. Um, I think Jaron still, he had glimpses last night of, like, old Jaron, as uh, Chris Harrington likes to call it, the Jaron Jackson combo deal, where he gets a block on one end and it hits a trailing three on the other. That changed the game. Like, that was a huge play. Because they were driving in off of a turnover, a missed shot, long rebound, one of the two. Jaron hustles back, gets a swat on Clarkson, who is just like single-track mine. I have to score. Um, gets the block. Of course, we dribbled up. Jaron's just wait. As soon as, like, Jaron crossed half court and there was no one in front of him, we all were like, of course he's going to hit a trail three. And that's exactly what happened. But if there's – I think there's going to be a game where Jaron kind of returns to old Jaron. I'm not going to say he's going to go off for 35 and hit seven threes. There's going to be a night where he's going to be like – he's going to put together a half, right? Maybe not a full game, but he's going to put together a half and be like, man, this is Jaron. Here's the flashes. Here's the unicorn that we talk about. I really think there's going to be a game where that happens. Um, and if Jock can just continue to be aggressive, continue – to just attack, attack, attack the rim and the paint. I think Gobert is going to struggle with fouls all series. Jonas is a lot to handle. I think we can play with them. I, I mean, I may eat my words. They may rattle off four wins in a row by a margin of average of 20 points. Um, but I think we can hang. Uh, just crazy impressive. Coming off what we came off, this is just huge. Grizz uh, and family. Let's – uh. Let's root for this Grizz team. This is a special moment. Regardless of what happens the rest of the series, we will always remember this season. It is going to lead to some great things in the future, and we can all be able to point to this year of what kicked it off. This team's confidence and the togetherness. This is a truly a homegrown, starting from scratch team, and we're like, it is, it is unfolding right in front of us. 
something special. Some, something's brewing. Um, jump on the board. We gotta, we gotta support this team. Come on, Grizz. Let's go. Jumping in here just to say that there are some slight audio issues in this next segment. Uh, just some feedback from the recording, but it is very much worth listening into what Brantley has to say about the game. So listen in. All right. So here are uh, my rapid reactions from the game last night. First off, shout out to Will for allowing us to record these rapid reactions this morning. Last night, I'm not really sure if my brain could have handled talking about anything um, in a monologue scenario like what we're about to happen uh, or what we're doing. But I guess first off, you know, just to aggregate, you know, the news that's happened, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, you may already know, but Bill Simmons did predict the Grizz to win uh, the finals, the championship this morning on his pod. So, yeah, there's that. Anyway, so I've got a couple things, um, more like just some six themes, some that are just maybe one game uh, reactions, some things that we'll just need to watch, I think. Um, But first, I just – we said this in the playoff scenarios or the playing games, and I just – I think we just have to really hit on it again, is that, like, we're just really seeing in this team who can survive and step up in the moment, um, just not backing down. I mean, there's so many – just little micro things that happen throughout the game where, uh, you know, of game one against the Jazz, where we're seeing that, you know, not only with sort of like the stars um, of this squad that we're just coming to anticipate seeing that with, with Ja, Dylan, Kyle, uh, JV, but just even like, you know, Bain's uh, three-pointer at the end of the third quarter and just sort of him talking noise um, to the Jazz um, and backing down and just sort of the like fun, smiley chemistry thing that's happening. We're just seeing those types of things happen more and more. Um, you know, we saw it, Grayson didn't necessarily have a great night, particularly on a box score component. And there were moments where when he was guarding Conley, where I, I think all of us were just sort of like, man, he just doesn't look great. But there's still, he, he still, I think, r- remained very confident and didn't have that deer in the headlight type moment. Um, and, and then on the other side of that, for some of the guys, you know, I'm talking positive about them. I think we're still just seeing this divide of, of some of our bench units. Oh, and the last guy that I forgot to talk about was Tyus. Tyus really just stepped up again. He's just proving that the eight to 12 minutes that he gets in a playoff game can be really valuable and that he can do something in those minutes. And I think that's just really important to see, to be able to spell time, um, from job, you know, we had talked about even in, at the, in the middle of the season, just, you know, where we could see Tyus minutes going down in a playoff series. And I think it's great that he can step in and have, you know, an impact. And even though from a box score perspective, it doesn't look awesome. Like the, the four to six points that he gets you in those minutes really matter in a playoff series. And I think that's really awesome. But you're seeing, I mean, the, the Grizzden guys are going to laugh, but just Melton just doesn't belong on the court and offensively and defensively he just he doesn't fit right now he's not playing well and I mean we're sticking with him but at some point his I just wonder if they pull the plug on him getting minutes and 
you know, last night I think was the worst of the three playoff quote unquote games between, or and I'm saying, or sorry, four playoff games. I'm talking about Golden State, you know, the last game of the regular season, San Antonio, Golden State again, and then last night. Of those four, I felt like he looked worse than he did in all of those other games. And I don't know. At some point, I just think he's got to fall out of the rotation and we need to stick with some of those other guys that we're talking about. Um, The second one is just the three ball, man. Like, I just – you know, we knew the Jazz were going to take a lot of threes. They took 47 last night. I'm sure it's something, Will and Ty, that you guys are talking about. And they went 12 for 47, so that's 25%, where a significant amount of those were Bogdanovich in the second half. And there were times in that first quarter and second quarter where I think that there were some threes that were just that I thought were good looks. And I was surprised that they weren't going in and they were just they were just bricks. And I think we were all thinking, like, man, if they start hitting those shots, then it's it's going to be tough. And that's kind of who this Jazz team is. They take a lot of threes, and they um, they hit a lot, high volume of them. And they never really made them. And I will say this, that in the second half, I sort of – and really the second quarter into the second half, some of the threes I didn't necessarily think were just, necessar- were just like, um, unbelievable looks. I thought we were really guarding them well um, at the three-point line. And – there's going to be a game and maybe it's game two on Wednesday where the jazz just come out firing and they're hit clicking on all cylinders and they're hitting all those shots and it's going to be demoralizing and hard. And I sort of felt like that that could have happened in the first quarter, but it didn't. And that was a key to the game. It was a key to us winning. And I'm hoping that there's some things that we can take away and learn um, from and maybe uh, kind of going all in and digging in and, and, and guarding the three point shot even a little bit better It'll be interesting to see, like, once Donovan gets back on the court, if he can be one of the catalysts for that. But it wasn't – I didn't, like, come away thinking, like, man, we just didn't guard the – I didn't think – I didn't come away thinking that we guarded the three unbelievably well, and I also didn't think that we did a bad job. I thought it was sort of mediocre, and I think they had an off night, and we took advantage of it. Um, Third, I just – we have – we need to really talk about Kyle Anderson – and I'm hoping that you guys give him some love too. Like he just has become this veteran key, uh, you know, you know, terminology glue guy to our squad. I used to talk a lot about how much I loved what Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill did for this team last year and providing that veteran presence. And I think helping to be examples for some of the younger guys and maybe even to push them relationally and on the court as well. And maybe just because Kyle wasn't performing at a high caliber, like he didn't necessarily know where his role and fit um, in doing that was. And, man, he just does some small things. It just it just really impacts winning in a significant way. I mean, I think the obvious things are like what he was doing from a steel perspective, right, playing the lanes and getting deflections and then just becoming this sort of pickpocket uh, specialist on the court. But I don't know if y'all have noticed this. One of the things that he does, I noticed this first in the Spurs game, where we I think we remember the the series the um it was a fast court uh, or fa- fast break um, opportunity for the Spurs, and I can't remember who got the first block. It might have been Jaron, but and then Kyle uh, Pirtle maybe got the rebound, put it back up. Kyle blocked it against the backboard again. And then I think maybe Pearl got the rebound and put it back in and, and laid it in and scored. And it was sort of a, a an opportune moment in the game. And Kyle looked back down the court and yelled at Ja 
like and just motion him. Come on, come, get back because Ja just sort of like stayed on the offensive side and didn't hustle back and get back on defense. And then last night, I don't like in the first sort of pickpocket scenario that Kyle had, where Ja was sort of sitting there and was able to get the um, the deflection. Kyle just, you know, was like, go, go, just was like yelling on the court at Ja to go in a fast break scenario, and we made the layup, and it sort of helped, I think, get Ja going. I'm just starting to see Kyle do that more and more, particularly with Ja, and I really think that that is still needed. I mean, Ja's 22 years old. He needs a veteran to, I think, continue to speak into him and remind him that he's our alpha and he's our guy, and it's sort of fun just to watch that and see it, and I'm I'm all in on it, and I think Kyle has earned the right to be able to do that. Um, I want to talk just a bit about sort of like Ja and JV and the Jazz defense and just the centers. It's like first off, as Grizzlies fans, don't we just love playing a team that's supposed to be amazing and their centers are supposed to be awesome and they're just weak and nimble and floppy? There, There's nothing better than just our city versus another city and just – weakness and just the flop that Gobert had and on the sidelines when he was fouled out and just how lame that was as a defensive player of the year, quote unquote, top 15 best player candidate, potential MVP. Just get that out of here. Like Ja did whatever he wanted to last night against Gobert and against favors. And, you know, one of the things that people talk about with Gobert is just his ability to be an unbelievable drop defender and still sort of guard um, in space that way in the drop. And that's a, that's a matchup advantage, honestly, for Ja. He's so quick in the paint with his floater and his ability to make good reads in, in that area that I think that they're going to have to make some adjustments. I think Gobert's going to have to do something differently and guard Ja differently in game two when, he, when Ja gets to his, get to his spots that way. Um, and then the other just sort of eye test type thing that I was starting to see some statistics posted on Twitter from a couple people just about like, you know, what we did versus Gobert versus what we did versus Favors. I sort of felt like Favors was Favors guarded JV better. Like our, even though we, I think we did statistically have a better offense when Gobert was off the court, and I, I bet I think a lot of that was you know, probably waited towards the fourth quarter where Gobert fouled out and Ja was doing anything he wanted to in the lane. I just felt like that um, when Gobert was in, we our offense was flowing a little bit better and Favors was actually sort of getting offensive rebounds in a better scenario and, and was guarding JV on a toughness perspective a little bit better. So I'm sort of interested just with those matchups. I, I, I like what I see in JV against Gobert, what what did not work well was when Xavier Tillman was in the game and Favors was in. I felt like Favors was getting any rebound he wanted to and any second chance to kind of like tip scenario. I, I honestly just felt like we had no opportunity, no ability to get a rebound when JV wasn't in the game and some of those some of those crucial moments and at the end of the second quarter and maybe towards the third, if I'm remembering correctly. And so. I'm hesitant to say this. I'm just curious if they'll maybe try BC in scenarios like that just because I think that he might could use his athleticism to sky above favors to get some deflections and get some rebounds and let that be just something that he adds value in. 
I don't know. I mean, he's clearly falling out of the rotation, and and that could be a tough thing for him to jump in on. But, like, Tillman just didn't – as much of a hero as he was in the Golden State game, there just was something about him against favors that just seemed a little off, and maybe it's just an adjustment that he has to make, but it's something that I'm going to be looking for. And and two quick things in closing. Dylan, man, like, you know, the combination of, you know, scoring from he and Ja is obviously incredible, but – I hope this doesn't sound negative, but like what Grizzlies fans have just come to expect from him is him to do quote unquote Dylan things, which is just these Dylan moments where he does hero ball and does heat checks in moments that just, well, I sort of just termed like he has no emotional quotient for it. Like he just has to have a feel for the game where he shouldn't be doing things like that. And I, I think I only really counted, like, maybe one or two of those moments. There was one, like, transition three that he pulled up um, maybe in the first half. And just we were making – I think we were we were down and we were sort of cutting into their lead and just didn't feel like the right thing. But then just credit to him. Like, towards the end of the game, there were moments, even when in the third quarter when he was going off, there would be some transitions and he would pull back kind of let the offense get set up first before maybe getting back, getting the ball back, getting his number called and driving in and getting to his spots in the paint and driving. And that's what we, that's what we've on this pod been wanting from him. We've been wanting him under control, not being heat checky type scenario all the time. And like, I'll live with one maybe transition heat check scenario or, or moment, a game from him. Um, not, I don't want three or four, and I think that that just really matters for overtime for him and just for us. And I, I'm, it seems like maybe he's taking a step and learning who he is as a player and and what we can, um, what we need from him. And finally, this is long, so sorry. This is not just five minutes, but Jaron, if we're going to continue to win, we need more of him. I hope that you know we talked about him having uh, like getting some minutes with the bench and seeing like if that could help him, and it did not work. So I hope they abandoned that. But we, we, just, we just need him. We need, we need our second threat to be able to hit some threes and to feel confident. So, you know, we saw that glimpse of him getting a block and going down and hitting that transition three, and it, it just we went nuts. It was so much fun. But we need a little bit of consistency from him, I think, if we're going to take a bigger step. We talked about that some. I'm not saying it as a concern yet necessarily i just hope that he can get out of a funk and have a big game soon so man that was fun go grizz this has been an instant reaction edition of the grizzden pod thanks so much for joining us